Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Napa know-how. At Napa Auto Parts stores and Napa Auto Care centers, get a $25 prepaid Visa card when you get any Napa automotive battery. It's the best deal for some of the best batteries from some of the best car people around. But we might be a little partial. Anywho, pick up any Napa automotive battery and save 25 bucks. Do it yourself or have it done for you. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores and Napa Auto Care centers. While supplies last, offer ends 831 that little chico pit boom, Mr. 305, but I said Mr. Worldwide. You already know what it is. Listen to my new podcast from Negative to Positive. Subscribe today. Now, part of the things that we're doing over here at Negative to Positive is encouraging people to change their lives, change the things that are within their power. I want to thank our good friends at KFC for helping me bring this to you. Feed your whole crew with KFC. Let's go. I can get the KFC bucket of chicken, and you know, that's fire. Now, Bobo, you know that you can get that mac and cheese, that mashed potato, gravy, those biscuits. Now, that's that's trouble right there. That is fire right there. You know, on Negative to Positive, we're always talking about striving and achievement. And, and the Colonel Sanders story is, is a story that inspired me since I was 10 years old. Look how our life comes full circle. Now I'm talking about Colonel Sanders and Kentucky Fried Chicken and how much I love it. <laughs> Listen to my new podcast from Negative to Positive. Check out the vodcast. Subscribe today. Apple Podcast. Podcast One. Spotify. Hey guys, Riley here, and congratulations to Adam Carolla for coming up on his 10-year of podcasting on March 10th. And now you can catch up on some of his finest moments of the decade. Check out the Corolla Network's Corolla Classics. A look back on some of the funniest moments on the show like you've never heard them before. Celebrate 10 years of great podcast moments with Corolla Classics every week on Podcast One or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Napa know-how. Get all the quality parts you need at your locally owned Napa. Because right now, when you order from Napa online, you can pick up curbside at your local store in just 30 minutes. Or get your order delivered direct to your door with free one-day shipping and over 160,000 quality parts when you spend $35 or more. Quality parts delivered quickly and safely. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating stores, standard ground shipping and exclusions apply. It's that little Chico Pitbull, Mr. 305, better said Mr. Worldwide, and I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, From Negative to Positive, brought to you by my friends over at State Farm. I believe that to have success, you got to play the game so that the game doesn't play you. You know, the biggest risk you take is not taking one. It's very important that you make sure that you make the most out of your money, especially when it comes to insurance. State Farm offers surprisingly great rates. They have great agents standing by helping you personalize your coverage. All this is backed up by award-winning, easy-to-use technology. It's a great price with an even greater service. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. We've got a full show for you today. We're talking Dark Phoenix, that new trailer, and the spoiler in it. On top of that, we've got comments from Kevin Feige about the Disney Plus shows and how they connect into the MCU. And on top of that, of course, we have to cover Will Smith not being a part of the Suicide Squad. He is not going to be in that movie. We have so much more in addition to those three stories to cover today. And I'm doing it with none other than Jeff Snyder and Ash Crossan. It's a good day where they got the memo. It is black t-shirt day and we look great. Yeah. Wow. Really an aesthetic. You guys look better than I do, of course. 
I do think we're wearing the same exact T-shirt, though, for better or worse. I'm a very lucky guy. <laughs> All right. We are going to roll right into it, not with any of the stories on our official lineup, but something I wanted to give you an update on in case you're seeing maybe some more Bond 25 news circling the web right now. Maybe something that had to do with, I don't know, Lupita Nyong'o maybe being eyed for a role in the film. We are not going to discuss that again today because not only did we discuss it on Collider Movie Talk yesterday, courtesy of our own Jeff Snyder scoop, but on top of that, it was also discussed discussed on Collider Live today, so you can watch that conversation that happened this morning and yesterday. Not right now. 72 minute mark. 72 minutes. Okay. Go tune in. Check that out. Right now, we are rolling into our first official story of the day, and of course, that is Will Smith's exit from the Suicide Squad. So... We have known that James Gunn's take on this film was likely going to be a reboot of sorts, but apparently what the studio was hoping is that its biggest stars, so stars like Will Smith and also Margot Robbie, were going to come back. Clearly, that is not panning out for Will Smith. Suicide Squad is hitting theaters on August 6th, 2021, and production is aiming to begin this fall. So... Ash, first off, does this news surprise you at all, or did you expect James Gunn to kind of start with a clean slate as far as the ensemble goes? I mean, we had heard the rumblings that James Gunn was kind of kind of do like a recasting kind of thing, but I am kind of bummed. Like there was, say what you will about Suicide Squad, I I, I liked it. You know, I'm one of those few people that I guess did, but um, I thought. It had a really strong cast. Like, I love Harley Quinn. I love Deadshot. I love Will Smith and anything he wants to do. Like, even his Instagram is just amazing. Um, so, yeah, that does bum me out. And it looks like what it's... Was that due to the... That's what the studio... The studio wanted him and he can't do it? Is it's that what a it is? scheduling conflict. A scheduling conflict. Is that for, like, his Facebook watch series that he just launched? <laughs> I don't understand. I believe he's shooting... I know you don't have all the answers, He's shooting the Bad Boys movie right now, I think. But in terms of upcoming projects, you know, I was looking at his IMDb, and of course we see things like Bright 2, which is announced but not actually happening. So, Jeff, do you actually believe the scheduling conflict line, or do you think that was just something to kind of smooth it over? Oh, that smirk. Yeah. What do you guys think? (laughs) What do you guys think? You think it's like Variety says, the decision was made on amicable terms between both sides with no hard feelings no hard feelings guys it's okay no uh this had nothing to do with scheduling this is a great decision by will smith the first he's made in a while uh because frankly i think he needs new representation um yeah suicide squad was an abomination an unholy abomination and i'm glad that he's running from it he should want nothing to do with it even with james gunn at the helm harsh words from jeff snyder you're here yeah first. you guys know me i i, I don't hold back I, I'll, I'll do respect okay. i'm glad that you liked it I just, um i just feel like i don't know when i i talked to um viola davis who played amanda waller like i think at the end of last year and i was like how do you feel about james gunn doing suicide squad too and she was like I cannot even contain my excitement. Like, I am so excited. I hope I get to kill off Will Smith. She said that. Um, so I just feel like, I don't know. I would be really excited the, for they James. Were the, they were the two good elements of the movie. Yeah. Like, I, I enjoyed Deadshot, and I really liked Amanda Waller. And I think that Amanda Waller is the one who you need to bring back for Suicide Squad, too. She needs to be the connective tissue overseeing another squad or whatever. Um, but, yeah, like it, it's like if, if you weren't going to bring back everybody, and you're only going to have like Will or Margot. Like, I don't see why Will would do that. I mean, 
given another story that we're going to talk about next, it does seem like, you know, interconnectivity between films isn't a priority for them. And if you only bring back Amanda Waller, it does seem really easy to at least still call this movie a Suicide Squad sequel, but without being beholden to what was created before. And especially when we loop in a director who is as stylish and creative as a James Gunn. Even if he was largely getting the opportunity to do his own thing, I wouldn't want him tied to that original whatsoever. But I was thinking that when he was hired, that just from the cast perspective and maybe wanting to work with him, that some of them would stay on board. And as much as I wouldn't mind seeing Will Smith play Deadshot in another movie, the thought of James Gunn getting to start from scratch to a degree is a little more exciting to me. Yeah, and I do like the the idea because I think that's uh, the general public didn't know, you know, Guardians that well. The idea of him taking these like deep cut characters that we barely know and giving them life is really exciting to me. Um, I just feel like the initial speculation was that Will and Margot would return, and now neither one of them are returning. You might as well just blow it up, essentially. I, I just I'm looking at this guy's slate, Aladdin. God knows what is going to happen with Aladdin. Spies in Disguise. It's gonna be, it's gonna be good. That that could work. That animated film with Tom Holland, but it's also not oh, like I a marquee animated that. title. What's what's the character in Spies in Disguise? Were they like pigeons it's or like, something? Yeah, or pigeons. Did I make that up? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't even know. Uh, Gemini Man. He has a lot riding on Gemini Man. Mm-hmm. Like that is a that is the Will Smith comeback vehicle. You've got Ang Lee, you know, who, who does incredible visuals. They have a ton of money going into this production because it's Will and a clone of, of Will. You know, they're going to de-age him, and then he's got. Bad Boys, which is, you know, one of my favorite Will Smith movies slash franchises, and I'm glad, I, like, I, I do want to see him back as Mike Lauer, even if I'm not sure uh, what, what Martin Lawrence is going to look like next to him. So it's like Will Smith is starting to get back on the right track, and, and I think that he did the right thing by saying no to Suicide Squad. Maybe he pops up somewhere else in, in the DC universe. Why can't he be Green Lantern or something? Like, I don't know. I mean, if they are overhauling a significant amount of the series right now, I don't see why they couldn't bring him back in another role. I just wonder if, you know, given the experience working on Suicide Squad, which whether you liked it or not, it didn't really, it made a lot of money, but it didn't really live, leave the best taste in, in yeah, your mouth didn't overall. didn't with people for, for whatever reason, yeah. So I don't, I don't know if he would be eager to jump back into a role and, and a commitment like that. I, I think Will, I don't, I don't know what he needs to do and, and who am I to say it, but I, he needs to get back to a prestige movie. He needs to remind everybody that he's Will Smith who, who did uh, The Pursuit of Happiness and Ali and try to go after an Oscar nomination again. That's what I would do if I were him because we know that Will Smith can open a movie and do these big four-quadrant blockbusters and tentpoles. Like, show me what else you got. It's been a while. Remind me. Do you see me. Gemini Man having any sort of Oscar it, it, cloud it, at It could. Point? It could, but I also... It doesn't seem... It doesn't scream awards movie to me. Yeah, it doesn't really to me either, minus the pairing of Will Smith and Ang Lee. Right. All right, we are moving on to our next story, and it is a DC story as well. So we know Warner Brothers is pulling back on the interconnected universe idea. Basically, that means they're scrapping the plans that were put in place during the making of movies like Batman versus Superman and Justice League. And this much has now basically been confirmed by the Warner Brothers chief executive, Kevin Tishahara, in a new interview that he did with the LA Times. And he basically, in that interview, asserted that the upcoming slate of DC movies is not going to focus on this interconnectivity. And one of the things he said was 
The universe isn't as connected as we thought it was going to be five years ago. You're seeing much more focus on individual experiences around individual characters. That's not to say we won't at some point come back to that notion of a more connected universe, but it feels like that's the right strategy for us right now. So... Jeff, how do you interpret these quotes? Is this the right move for the DC film franchise going forward? Basically, putting, putting story, putting character-driven stories above the hopes to have a major interconnected franchise. Yes, I would agree with Kevin Sujahari. It does feel like you're on the right track here. You know, whether I think Shazam looks good or not, the idea of individual movies and just trying to make one good movie at a time rather than, you know, have this whole master plan, that's the way to do it. I like what they have here with Wonder Woman, the Wonder Woman sequel birds of prey joker like these are like joker is one of my most anticipated movies of the year um so i i am glad that dc is not trying to be marvel that they're trying to do their own thing and that they finally admitted to themselves that that's not really like what they're set up for mm-hmm. i don't know what do you think i i love the idea of it i feel like you know with the you know the dark knight trilogy and with you know even like spider verse and verse like homecoming stuff we can have multiple characters in the same universe existing and we're like we're not dummies like we can we can separate them i love the idea of doing this like i do think you know i I do have people in the office being like i'm so confused about the joaquin phoenix joker thing like is he going to show up in you know suicide squad 2 or is it going to be jared leto like i do think if they're going to have some that are that are interconnected they need to have some kind of like identifier like I don't know, a Justice League story. I don't work there. But I do think, uh, I think it's a smart idea. I love it. Just to play the flip side here a little bit, what are the downsides to basically stepping into a competitive marketplace where franchises are kings, but going this route instead of, oh, in order to see this next one, don't forget, you got to see this one first. I feel like that's exactly it. Is There's no stakes in like, if oh, I can just see drop into whatever movie I want to drop into. I don't necessarily need to see every single one. Well, I guess in a way that would probably wind up broadening the viewership. Rather than, you know, slowly along the way, especially if, you know, your returns are diminishing each time, basically locking yourself into a smaller and smaller crowd. One of the interesting things that I found in Adam Chitwood's write-up of this story is he started to talk about how this could be a better track for the DC film franchise. And specifically, he said a better track for this particular series is basically to do something that Marvel can't do. And I find that really interesting and really exciting. So what is something that you guys think Marvel can't do that DC should try to explore now? I think it, I think it's it, it, it explored different tones and, and genres and stuff like that. Not that Marvel doesn't do that, but like, you know, when I first heard that rumor that Black Widow was going to be rated R, I was excited. And then Kevin, you know, came out and said that's actually not the case. And the, it just seems like all these films have to conform to this very specific vision and tone within the MCU. And so the, the DC universe should take advantage of that and and try to be different. I mean, I know Joker's PG thirteen, but I don't know. It, like, it feels dangerous to me in a way that Marvel movies don't. Yeah. Uh, and even Birds of Prey to some extent feels kind of dangerous. Maybe it's just the characters themselves of, of Joker and Harley Quinn, but uh, yeah, I, I think that the universe hamstrings or you're, you're hamstrung a bit by that whole concept, and uh, yeah, I want to see DC take it one day at a time, that kind of thing. I'm right there with you. The whole R-rated thing with Black Widow bummed me out a little bit because I wanted to see them take risks like that, and I was really hoping that they would go that route and commit to making an R-rated piece of material. And that seems to be a great void that DC could fill, regardless of the Joker. Going forward, I know you're working with a smaller audience when you rate something R, especially when it comes to a big superhero property, but... 
I mean, I just I have Didn't Logan. Hurt Deadpool. I I have Deadpool and I have mm-hmm. Logan on the brain, and I think those movies are phenomenal. So why not explore that more here? Also, just give me a rom com. <laughs> I just want a rom com. Superhero rom com? Yes, 100%. Well, I'll take a rom com, or I still want a movie that just focuses on the in between. Like, in between missions, just, you know, what is a casual day in the life of, you know, fill in the blank here? Yeah, yeah. What what a character in, in the DC stable would you want an R rated movie for? Because a lot of people think that that should be like Lobo, and there should you know that that should sort of kick off the R rated DC's thing. The Lobo idea has intrigued me for a while, and I know we've been talking about that nonstop. I think right now, and I know this isn't even possible because of Birds of Prey. I I really we were talking about Suicide Squad earlier. My favorite part of that movie was Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn, and. I just love what she's doing, not just as an actor right now, but as a producer. She's seizing every opportunity she can, and she's maintaining some sort of control over it to the point that if she is on board something as a star and as a producer, even more importantly, I have a lot of faith in whatever that project is. But the playfulness and the violence of a character like Harley Quinn with that R rating just seems so perfect to me. Yeah. Our ratings. Our ratings to that. to that. Adam enjoyed that. <laughs> All right. Before we move on to our next I story, <laughs> I am going to remind you guys that we are taking your live Twitter questions at the very end of the show. So start sending them in right now. Use the hashtag Collider Movie Talk. Send some new questions in. Maybe they'll get picked and answered on the show. All right. Story number three today. We are switching gears and we're moving over to Marvel. So. You guys might know the last couple of days, we've been dropping a whole bunch of stories from our own Steve Weintraub's interview with Kevin Feige. And this latest piece from that interview has a little something to do with those Disney Plus shows that they're working on and specifically how they connect to the MCU. Of course, we know that the Marvel Netflix shows, sadly, are bye-bye. But now we've got these Disney Plus shows on the way. And Kevin Feige basically told Steve that connectivity between those shows and the MCU as we know it is going to be important and here is specifically what he said it's been extremely additive to the entire creative arc not just of the Disney Plus programs we're working on but on the entire post Endgame MCU because we've been able to weave them in we've been able to for the first time conceive of them together and they will be intertwined with each other so Ash this statement to me basically closes the door and like fades away any hope anyone could have of seeing the stars from the Marvel Netflix shows return. Is that part of how you interpret this? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I kind of felt that way when they were like canceling them left left and right. I was like, they're not going to bring these back because like, I I don't know, some like dark stuff happens in Punisher. I don't feel like I don't see that happening on Disney Plus. Um so yeah, I feel like they're they're gone. RIP. I loved you guys a lot, especially you, John Murthal. Yeah, that's that's pretty much the end of that, which which is a little bit of a bummer, but as someone who was constantly running around saying, I need to catch up on those shows, the that's fact the that thing. I could start with a clean slate is encouraging. Yeah. The flip side to that though is that now that we have an MCU where not only do you have all these films, but now you've got these Disney Plus shows that they're not just there for fun, they're now required viewing for the MCU overall. When do we hit a point where it's too much content? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I it, the whole idea of it is a little daunting to me because I'm like, I don't want, I don't want this to be homework. Like, I want it to be something that I really enjoy. And like, the Netflix shows, I I liked them, but I felt like they were 13 episodes. They were hour long. Like, and some of them had episodes that were just filler and felt like they dragged. And I want to see something like really exciting, like no more than 10 episodes, and something that I feel like really connected to. 
Well, that was a cool thing that uh, Feige actually mentioned in Steve's interview, too. And it it gives me a lot of hope and faith in this format for MCU stories is that Steve had specifically asked him how how many episodes are these series going to be? And he didn't give him a straightforward answer because he said this is the beauty of Disney Plus. We could do whatever we want, Mm -hmm. whatever best suits the character and best suits the story. And that, to me, is a sign that we're going to end up with quality content rather than, you know, and I'm not saying that the Marvel Netflix shows did this, but rather than being locked into a certain amount of episodes. Yeah. How are you feeling about this? Here's what I would say about it. I think, Let's talk. I, I think that those Netflix shows were perfectly cast for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that Marvel would be making a huge mistake to get rid of them. I would not be surprised. Not I don't expect the shows to come back. I don't think you're going to see another season of Daredevil or another season of The Punisher. But would I bring back John Bernthal as The Punisher or Charlie yes. Cox as Daredevil or, or yes. Mike Coulter as Luke Cage? I don't know how you find better actors, really, or that are a better fit for those roles. They were all kind of perfect. Um, so I just I would not I would be reluctant to say that you've seen the last of all those actors as those characters. I kind and I don't of, have any inside info. I kind of hope you're right. With the limited amount that I have watched, I think all the almost all the casting, at least, is fantastic, and it would be a shame to see them walk away from the roles entirely. Entirely, but you, given the different leadership. Because we're, we're talking about two departments that never collaborated right. and never worked together. And really, part of the reason why we have Spider-Man Homecoming and Far From Home as part of the MCU is because Marvel has creative input on something that's based at Sony. And that never happened with the film and TV division. So do you even see Kev- Kevin Feige being open to that idea of I, saying, OK, your creative decision is now applied to our franchise? I, I actually do. I, I don't think that Kevin would be stubborn. I think if he liked the casting, he'd, be, he'd you know, totally be open to, to bring that that actor back you know like they can make new deals like th- mm-hmm. those deals for the netflix shows are one thing but why can't uh, i don't even know who like i don't know where the characters intersect or whatever but why can't one of those um characters basically be involved in the loki tv show or what are the other tv shows that they're making over well, there scarlet the loki, witch and Vision? the loki tv show is the only one that's been officially confirmed right. but then it is reported scarlet, that there's vision, scarlet right? witch and vision that and also falcon and uh, winter soldier i believe yeah like why can't the punisher show up in falcon and winter soldier i i i, I think it could Well, maybe that's a better question for someone who's completely caught up on all of this. I just wonder that, let's say, if one of these actors do pop up in one of these shows, are we going to all of a sudden be, like, smacked in the face with a million continuity things that don't make sense anymore? I I just feel like it would open the box of being like, well, if he shows up, does that mean that everything we saw before is, like, you know, canon or whatever? Our favorite word, canon. Okay. Continuity is overrated, as we're about to get into in our next story. Uh, (laughs) Really? Yeah, I'm pretty... Oh, boy. I think so. Oh, (laughs) all right, all right. Um, I see what you're getting at here. uh, Disney Plus shows are a significant part of the MCU. I don't know that I necessarily want that, because I don't know that I'm going to order Disney Plus. I don't know that I'm going to watch any of the shows that have been announced yet. Nothing strikes my fancy like Daredevil or The Punisher. Really? Scarlet Witch and Vision and and Winter Soldier and Fat. None of these shows, Loki TV show, give me a break. Well, no. what if it's like a 10-episode order, like Game of Thrones quality, that's it, one and done, and then they move on to the next character, and then they move on to the next one. Like, it's not like 50 uh, the, freaking uh, seasons I'm just saying of different characters. Not, Disney Plus has not announced a single thing that would get my $10 a month. Playing yeah. within the MCU, what would you want to see announced? Is there any particular character that you would want to see get a spinoff series? 
Especially something maybe I mean, that's only been lightly touched on in the MCU film franchise uh, that they could then explore further and take bigger risks with. In honestly, plus. I, I would go Rocket or Groot. Uh, yeah, I, I, if you're not, if Guardians of the Galaxy three is on hold, right? If you know, it's very unclear what the hell's happening with that. Take those characters and do something with them. I realize you're not going to get Chris Pratt to do a Disney Plus series, but why can't you get Vin Diesel or Bradley Cooper to well, voice say, a character? You say Chris Pratt. I probably would have said the same thing even about Tom Hiddleston. That why would he do a Disney Plus series? Are you serious? Chris, no. Chris Pratt and Tom well, Hiddleston Chris, are not Chris on Pratt, the same level. Yes, they are. Chris Pratt close. has the, the Jurassic franchise, but I feel yeah, like Tom Hiddleston can Chris get Pratt almost is, any is role Chris Pratt is a name that people in this country know. You go up to the average person and you ask Tom them who Hiddleston Tom Hiddleston dated Hiddleston. Taylor Swift. Everybody knows Tom Hiddleston. Why does it all come back to Taylor Swift? I don't I'm know. Tell, I'm, tell, I'm <laughs> telling you. There's, if I call my brothers right now and I ask them who Tom Hiddleston is, I bet... Maybe one of the two will know. No. There's no way both of them know. I do do this thing called the mom test where I yes. call my mom. No. <laughs> there's no way my high school friends all know who Tom Hiddleston is. I think they do. Nope. No, they, they, I, I think they do. And him I and Chris Pratt are definitely it. not on the same level. I think. Look at what, what movies is Tom Hiddleston opening on his own? Forget dating Taylor Swift. But I feel like t- it was like Tom Hiddleston star power, and now then Chris came up, and he's taking a dip, and now Tom's going to oh, come nice. up. Well, it's also you. Well, they're, Listen, not, they're not against This is the advantage that I have say, as, a, as, a, as an industry reporter, because I see who's up for what roles and who's on what list and that kind of stuff. Tom Hiddleston is not even in the conversation for the stuff that Chris Pratt is in the conversation right, for. I, justice for Tom Hiddleston. I, but I can't even argue with that. That's a, a <laughs> fair point that I will give you. Point to Jeff. I won't let it happen again. Don't worry. Next story now is the Dark Phoenix trailer. So, obviously, Fox just released a brand new trailer for this movie. It is finally hitting theaters on June 7th. Something happens in this trailer, and I don't even want to talk about anything else right now. So, all right. Here's a light spoiler warning. If for whatever reason you didn't watch the trailer and you're not aware of this, but there's a major death that's spoiled in this trailer. So there's your warning. We're going to talk about it right now. So, I don't know. I was like, can we talk about this? Because I've been thinking about this all morning. So when I first saw this, I was like, oh, my God, why would they do that? And then I started to think, oh, maybe it's just trailer misdirection. And then EW runs the that uh, piece yeah. with the quotes from Kinberg that basically says, nope, that's what happens. And just like knowing everything behind the scenes where J-Law in like several different interviews is like, I'm done after this one. I'm done after this one. Like, I think she's so done with this franchise that she was like, I'll only do this if you kill me off in like the first act. That it's is... crazy to me, though. Why would you put that in your trailer? I think it's a great. I think it was a great decision. It's Why? A, it's a great inciting. It definitely hooked me. <laughs> Did it really, though? Kind of, yeah. It doesn't make you feel like you already know one of the pivotal moments in the movie? I mean, I didn't have... Like, I, mm. I do not understand, if it plays out exactly like that, how that moment is going to hit me nearly as hard had I not seen this trailer. Yeah, because not only do we see it happen, we see, like, the you funeral. See, <laughs> you see, like, every ripple effect of it. It's you see so people crazy. process it emotionally. I don't want to see any of that now. I, I, you know, these superhero movies and surprises and that kind of stuff, I, I think it's kind of overrated. And I think it was kind of obvious that a whole chunk of this cast is going to die. Uh, an Jennifer Lawrence was the most obvious candidate because she was so ready to say goodbye to this to this project. Um, if you're asking me if I feel better about Dark Phoenix today than I did yesterday, the question is yeah. The answer is yes, I do. I, I thought the trailer was actually okay, and I know I was talking smack about Dark Phoenix on Tuesday's show, um, but I liked it. I liked how 
well, dark it was. Uh, some of the effects looked either unfinished or just cheesy. So it still has like that X-Men stuff going against it. It looks a little silly, but uh, I don't know. There was a McAvoy line reading here, and when she's crushing, that, that really excited me. And when she's crushing Magneto's helmet, I thought that was like a, a cool moment. Are you talking about when McAvoy's like, I don't know what to do? <laughs> yes, exactly, when he snaps, exactly. Um, you know, Sophie Turner doesn't, she, she's not an actress who excites me, uh, but. Hmm. Oh, she's the only thing about that trailer that I loved. I was like, well, I love the way Sophie looks. I love Jean- like, I love her. Ch- Chastain has me curious. Um, I, I, I want to know more about that character. Like, is the character just like a, a, a random character, or is there a, a mysterious identity to her? You know, I th- they every single piece that I've read about Dark Phoenix always refers to her character as some sort of some sort of mysterious force. Yeah, I just wonder if we're getting like a Cumberbatch in Star Trek into darkness. Oh, where it's oh, like, haha, I am. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, just, I, I really, th- this trailer played better for me than I thought it would. I thought I was expecting a train wreck with Simon Kinberg at the, at the helm for the first time. Um, so I, I really didn't have any problem with them spoiling the Lawrence death. Uh, and I think it'll get more people into theaters to come see Jennifer Lawrence's last turn as, as a superhero for, you know, who, who, who knows how long it's going to be. So even with them making this move with the trailer, do you think that this movie has any shot of being a financial success or has that ship just like so far away long ago sailed? I don't know because I'm definitely going to see it. Like there's you put an X-Men movie in front of it. I'm going to the theater. So piggybacking off of, you know, we've been talking about Captain Marvel. We have Shazam coming up. We have Infinity War. There are so many superhero properties out there. And it's like us here at this table, we'll we'll see just about anything. But for someone out there who says, I don't know, I have X amount of dollars to spend this summer on seeing movies. Like, do you not see this being the lowest priority? Oh, 100%. It depends what else is out there and who, and who the person is. I mean, I, I think that this movie, movie will perform in line with other X-Men movies, if not a little bit better, because it is the last one. And I do expect Disney to blow up this cast. I, I can't imagine anybody is going to return. I don't know how this movie ends. Maybe Sophie Turner is the one who, who will carry on the franchise oh, going please. forward. But, like, you know, McAvoy, Fassbender, yeah, I think it's they're probably done. Uh, so I, I think if you market it like that, come see the last sort of Fox X-Men movie before the X-Men completely change, then you then you you stand a chance in a very competitive summer marketplace. Is it going to be is the New last? Mutants just not yeah, happening? is that just not a thing anymore? But, but New Mutants is its own. New Mutants is its own thing. That's mm-hmm. not like connected to anything, right? That's a whole different cast of characters. It's a different cast of characters, but right. technically it is part. It is of part of Fox, X-Men, the Fox um, Marvel uh, franchise. There, by the way, the X-Men uh, like timeline. I have no idea what's going on. I don't remember. Exactly. Well, yeah, I do that, not and that's remember. what people were saying, and that's what I was getting at before. Like, people can't keep track of the continuity. It's because the continuity in this franchise has never really mattered. Days of Future Past, I know everyone's going to yell at me like they did last time in the comment section. A mess of a movie, a horrible mess of a movie. I had no oh, idea what was going on, on yeah, or when. I loved it. Uh, and and I, I don't even think it matters anymore. I don't, I don't think the comic book care, uh, fans care. It's just like. Um, uh, yeah. I kind of don't care. I'm they, like, just keep. Giving yeah. me more, more ex- like kill him at the end and then put him in the next. If movie, you're that's reading fine. comic books in general, like how can you care about that stuff? It, it's 
It's a, it's a con- very conflicted feeling at this point because even though I love Days of Future Past, Apocalypse seriously missed the mark for me, horrible. and I was I was that really was bummed by that movie. But that in no way turned me off to Dark Phoenix and New Mutants. Yeah. I loved the ideas for those movies. I love the cast. I'm a huge Sophie Turner fan. I loved the vibe of that first trailer for New Mutants. What's kind of souring my opinion isn't necessarily even the content because even though I didn't like the fact that this trailer revealed Jennifer Lawrence. I don't think this trailer is that big of a disaster otherwise mm-hmm. overall. And like I've said before, I liked the stuff I saw at New York Comic Con. It's the negativity around all of the behind the scenes, the Disney Fox merger. I don't know how to feel about it anymore. And it's almost like it doesn't even feel worth being invested in it. We're going to have it all like evaporate and go away by the end of the year anyway. It, I mean, it's the same thing with my motivation to catch up on shows people have liked and have told me I should catch up on in the Marvel Netflix stuff. Yeah. Now I just, like, I'm going to see it because it feels like I should see it. But my my motivation and my excitement is nothing like it was before. Let me ask you this. If New Mutants didn't go to theaters, because, you know, a lot of people have speculated it could wind up on Hulu. We got reports the other day that Disney is trying to buy Warner's, like, extra chunk of, of Hulu or whatever it is. Would you pay, what if they turned New Mutants into a pay-per-view on Hulu? I would pay for it. And it was $1.99. Like, it was cheap. You know, but they had to do it to recoup their costs or whatever. I think, I think a lot of, I think it'd make a significant chunk of money on that. I would pay for it in a heartbeat. Yeah, yeah me too. And I'd be curious to see if it would make more money doing that than at a high ticket price. Right, because people are like, okay, I'm paying. Hulu just lowered its prices, by the way. Do you see that? Yes, they did. Yeah, they lowered it down to like six bucks I'm a month. A so <laughs> if Hulu sent me, uh, you know, if I go on my Hulu, which I use every day, and I saw New Mutants, watch it for one ninety nine. It's a buck or two, you know. People are going to click on that, no problem. I do that on Amazon all the time. As soon as a movie's available to rent, and I haven't seen it, boom, yeah, three ninety nine. I'm care. right there with yeah. you. I don't know. Maybe that's the the path they should take with it. Right now, Box Office Mojo does still have it at an August second, twenty nineteen release. But I feel like at this I literally point, couldn't. Like, I don't trust like if you anybody. were like, what date is? I don't know. All right. We have one more story to hit today, and it is a Netflix story. So we know that Netflix already famously broke its own rule by releasing Roma in select theaters three weeks before the film landed on the streaming service. And in the past, Netflix has held fast to uh, to their plan where subscribers were going to be angry if the movie was wasn't offered on the streaming service first. Obviously, that changed with their Oscar push for Roma. And now we've got THR reporting that Martin Scorsese has asked Netflix to give The Irishman a wide theatrical release as opposed to the limited rollout that Roma got. And executives at the streaming service are working to make it happen. This is very, very interesting to me. I think it could be a game changer. Jeff, do you see this particular story as a sign that Netflix is kind of going to abandon all the rules it held fast to before? I mean, I think the whole situation is very fluid, and, and what and what Netflix wants to be is constantly changing. I, I, they've spent so much money on The Irishman. You have to recoup the investment somehow. It's not going to come in through s- subscriptions, you know. Um, I think it, you, you have to release this, uh, do a wide theatrical release. I think it'll probably be a month. So you're still collapsing the window, because right now the, the mm-hmm. window is three months. A movie yes. hits theaters, and then three months later it debuts on VOD. Maybe 
maybe Netflix will work something out. Maybe Netflix will give theater owners a bigger cut of the ticket price. That's the other thing. It's typically a 50-50 split, but a place like Disney with a Star Wars movie, they can dictate its terms Mm because they know how much business it's driving to theaters and how much money the theaters are making off concessions. So, you know, instead of a 50-50 cut, maybe with a Star Wars movie, Disney's getting 55 or 60 percent of that ticket. Netflix could cut a similar deal here for The Irishman. That way they at least recoup some of their huge investment. Um, And it's the way, you know, that is, it's all about keeping talent happy in this town. Like, that is the name of the game. It's talent relations. And so if Marty Scorsese and Pacino and De Niro and the legends of Hollywood insist on a uh, theatrical release, you got to give it to them, particularly because you've already done it for Roma and 22 July and some of these other movies. And you can bet you're going to see it for more and more things like Six Underground with Michael Bay and Ryan Reynolds. No, it's a pretty good analysis there, and I kind of agree with you that I think it's all heading in that direction. Yeah. One of the really interesting things about this story, and if this does happen, though, is we know Netflix is pretty famous for not releasing real, like, firm numbers where you can you can analyze it along the lines of, you know, box office reports, but... By releasing The Irishman in theaters, I, I guess we're going to get our first signs of like how much a Netflix movie can make in comparison to all the other studio releases now. Um, this is your... I mean, it, 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 it can make as, as much money as any other movie. Nobody cares. Nobody cares what logo is in front of a movie. It's all no. about whether they want to see the movie or not. Um, I had another point to make. I'm blanking on it. While you think about the Irishman is obviously not Roma though. It's not a no. black and white foreign language film. Joe Schmo in the middle of uh, Kansas wants to see this movie. It's a mm-hmm. mob movie with the biggest mob actors you know of all time. Um, so I, I think that it, it would be almost a disservice to to Netflix and, and to you know the filmmakers, the people who made the movie, to just put it out on the service or even give it a limited release. This is a movie that cries out for a wide theatrical release. The want to see is super high. It's so, so weird though because it's like I. I feel like the reason I love Netflix movie releases is because I can watch them on the couch. Not not to say this is like meant to be watching your couch, but I loved the direction that Netflix was going, which is like putting out like silly rom coms where I'm just like, oh, I can just like cry into my wine and watch this. Where like these are like these like Oscar kind of baby movies that they're putting not bait, but Oscar movies that they're putting out and I'm just like I don't I don't know. But it, and, and but they make eighty when you make eighty movies a year, you can you can give there, there are some exceptions to the rule. Yeah, you and know? I get that. I get that. I mean, it does seem like everybody across the board is kind of, you know, it's like, let's say we have the the big studios over here, Netflix over here, and I'm not saying like a ranking-wise, but theatrical distribution, streaming services, and it's almost like they're all kind of meeting in the middle now, and we're having like hybrid distribution formats where everybody is embracing the other way now. Yeah, no, you're, you're, I mean, you're, you're right. I, it, listen, Hollywood has been collapsing, moving towards the collapse window for ages. Remember, mm-hmm. Titanic would hit theaters, and then you'd have to wait a year for it to show up on your blockbuster video yeah. shelf. And then it was six months, and now it's three months, and I'm telling you, it's going to get even smaller and smaller. Um, you also have to remember that Netflix is now a member of the MPAA. Yes. So, like, this movie's going to be rated and everything. Um, yeah, I, I, I think that this is a great call by Netflix, and I, but I, I love that, like, it's like Scorsese asked Netflix to give, to give it to the Irishman. Ne- believe me, Netflix wants to do this. Netflix and they wouldn't do it if they didn't want to. Probably wants to do it, but Scorsese can ask anyone anything and they will probably give it to him everyone just that's what they do now they point at the other person they'd be like well he got one why can't i i'm martin scorsese i have an oscar yeah it sets a precedent 
It does. It does. And it looks like that's something that Netflix is going to continue to follow up on. So looking like we can see The Irishman on the big screen later this year. Before we move on to your live Twitter Mm -hmm. questions, I have to remind you about all the programming coming to Collider across the board tomorrow and through the weekend. Of course, we have a brand new episode of Collider Live airing tomorrow. In addition to that, we also have a new episode of Collider Sports Time. And keep an eye out for two new episodes of Mailbag airing Saturday and Sunday, and then we'll be back Monday, 4 p.m. PT Live for a brand new episode of Movie Talk. Now it is time for some Twitter questions. And okay, here here's one because I don't even know why. I'm sure it's a Collider Live thing, but everyone keeps talking about it in the office today, so I'm going to ask it. Broom Kid is asking, where do you stand on the pineapple pizza issue? Broom Is that something that happened on Collider Live today and I'm I, just not aware I of it? I feel like I've seen it all over Twitter. Yeah, yeah, I don't think it's today. Okay. But, uh, I'm late to that part. Wasn't it like Dorian tried pineapple on pizza or something? I don't know. I don't even work here. How do I know this one? <laughs> you guys what, uh, well, what's, what's your take, Ash? Uh, no, it's trash. Trash. I, I'm trash. completely with Ash. <laughs> totally trash. Pineapple on a pizza? Where are we? You can do it. Does it taste okay? I don't know. Maybe. Should you do it? No. <laughs> I'm not going to judge anyone. What? If you like pineapple on pizza, you go for it. It's Yeah, that's not the thing. I have such weird eating habits and tastes. I'm not going to judge anybody, uh, although it is weird. Um, what do you guys put on your pizza, though? What are your topics? Uh, pepperoni and jalapenos. Not, do you like Jeez. plain pep and, and jalapenos? And mushrooms. I go, I want, I go pep, I like pep and bacon. I want a cheese pizza just for lover. me. Okay. Nice. I'm glad we cleared this all I up. got that one. I got that <laughs> yes, reference. You did. Uh, I, um, I, um, I also now. think I probably altered that line a little, but next Twitter question comes from Brian Knight, who asks, if Warner Brothers and James Gunn decide to recast Deadshot, who would be your pick to replace Will Smith? <gasps> pressure, pressure. I'm making Ash go first. No, I have no idea. It's, it's weird how my mind immediately goes to the cast of Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. Not like that will ever happen. Yeah, Dave Batista. <laughs> uh, I, I, I could come up with like a good answer for this, but I, I need I need a second. You know, like can we come can we come back to me on that? No. No. Jeez, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Deadshot, huh? Uh, Idris Elba. I'll be lazy. I don't know. Oh. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I'll never say no to Idris Elba in anything, but Mahershala. Or Mahershala, uh, for that matter. Everything. I feel like there's... Neither of them have played superheroes, right? Um, Idris Elba, I don't think so. Mahershala what? was in Alita. Uh, that's not a superhero. That's not I know, th- but I'm just... I'm, I'm just. I'm, it's though. sitting right behind Perry, so I was just like, oh, he's in Alita. <laughs> yeah, either one of those guys. I mean, you need somebody big. You can't have, like... Jay Ellis from Insecure, who I like very much and was good in Escape Room or whatever, but like you can't have him come in and fill Will Smith's shoes or ask him to do that. It's, that's a no-win situation. Oh, so you, you know need a big African American actor. Um, Mahershala was a voice in Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. That yeah, was like oh, the, that good. doesn't count. Either. I know it doesn't count, but that was the super ha- superhero Jeff, bell go- going off in my brain. <laughs> All right, Ash, <laughs> we-, we bought you some time here. I said Dave Batista. Oh, you said Batista. As Deadshot, I just I don't know about think he's going to be in su- the, sui- the Suicide Squad. Well, yeah, yeah, the, su- yeah. the Suicide Squad I don't now. Know to pick, I don't, I can't think of people's faces. <laughs> what about? Wait, who was? Um, okay, okay, wait, I got one. I got one. Sterling K. Brown. That's a good Deadshot. Can they do that? Because don't they need the like the whole? Uh, what I liked about Deadshot was the father daughter element. Yeah, uh, and I think. Out of all those, act- Idris Elba and, and Mahershala and Sterling K. Brown, he's the most most paternal to me. 
My only question to that would be, given the fact that he's in Black Panther, can we have someone dip their toe in both franchises? Yes. Yeah. And so he had a small role in Black Panther. That was yeah, nothing. I guess so. I guess yeah, so. Yeah, I, I like that's my answer. I'm taking that answer. I think that is the winning answer thus far, considering neither of us have answered the I, question. I cannot <laughs> fan cast people. Like, it just, I can't do it's it. It's difficult Whenever to do it Whenever people ask me, I'm like, uh, me? <laughs> All right, here is another question from Jedi DMF, who's asking, what film do you guys think could break Avatar's record at the box office? For me, it is Endgame. For me, it is Mamma Mia 3. <laughs> Taylor Swift and Mamma Mia 3. I knew I Every time that one says it, take a drink. <laughs> That's really the question, isn't it? It's like, is it Endgame or is it Star Wars Episode Nine? If, if I were betting between Netflix. those two options, I would definitely be putting my money on Endgame. Yeah, I think me too. Um, yeah, I don't. Th- I, I don't. I, I guess that's the answer. I don't think Endgame can do it, though. Like when you look at Avatar's numbers, it's not just like an incremental amount above the number two spot. Right, it's, it's got so a significant. It is so much money. And, but, and it's like it's not like Avatar. People didn't go see Avatar because of the storyline or because of the cast or anything like that, or because it was part of a universe. They went because it was part of a new technology that people thought they were going to go see something that they've never seen before. And Endgame just doesn't have that. In fact, we've seen Endgame before twenty-two times, basically. You know. Um. Yeah, I don't know about that. What do you mean? I, I just feel it's like it's like any other Marvel movie. There's no, no. there's no th- like gas. Th- th- like this is an ev- it's an event, but it's not an event in the same way that Avatar was, where it's like this is something new. You know what I mean? Well, it's definitely not. It's not something new along the lines of the first Avatar movie, but. I don't know. Maybe it's just because 2009 was so long ago and I can't put myself back in my shoes back then at this point. But I don't know. In my mind, remembering when Avatar first came out, it feels like these MCU movies and other franchises, too, for that matter, DC, Star Wars, you name it. It feels like certain releases are almost like just as big of an event as as that was. No, it feels that way because of social media, because social media is amplifying things way bigger than than Avatar was. But like the audience has become too fragmented and over the last 10 years, you know, so the other thing to take into account is pretty much what we've been talking about this entire episode. And it's it's the fact that the, the distribution landscape has changed significantly, and now people's attention is being taken away by streaming services. God knows how many TV shows now. It's just a different playing field. I just think with Avatar, it was you need to see this movie in a theater, because if you don't, you'll never see it the way that it was meant to be seen or whatever. And these days, with Avengers, the mo- that movie's on Netflix eight months later, isn't it? Yeah, for yeah. the most part, yeah. Yeah, so I I don't think that Endgame will beat it. I don't think Star Wars will beat it. I think the next time that we'll see Avatar lose its record or whatever will be Mama when Mia cinema 3. takes the next giant leap forward. Be that Mamma Mia, Mia 3, 3 or uh, Mama whatever Mia, is Mama next. Mamma Mia 3 or Mama when 3, yeah. you're, you're paying like premium prices to go to a movie, to like 100 plus or something. Yeah, oh. pop up in your living room. I don't know. Please, no. Um, Justin Gilmore on Twitter chimed in to tell us that Idris Elba was Heimdall in uh, the 
Thor movies, oh, and right. Mahershala was also Cottonmouth in Luke Cage. Oh, there we go. Yeah, so I, that okay. was... Yeah, so that was Sterling K. Brown is, is my answer. All right, <laughs> we're, we're still safe with him. Uh, let's take one more question. This might be a little bit of a difficult Thank one you. to I, recall. I totally blanked on those. That's embarrassing. I gotta work Which, oh, those, on those two roles. Those my, hey, live Twitter questions to be a keep, you, keep you on here. your toes. It's tough. Yeah, I guess yeah, you have the weight of that on your shoulders, and I don't care. Um, this next question here, here is from Mac at Average Jedi underscore, and Mac is asking, "What Netflix original movie from the past do you wish had a wide theater release?" I actually just thought of an answer to this. Uh, you pulling up a list here? Of course. I need a list. Oh, you got away with your computer again. Yeah. Again. I am off my game. I'm going to go ahead mm. and say the movie to all the boys I loved before because oh, yeah. that wound up really winning me over last year more so than pretty much any other romantic comedy I saw. And the thought of getting to share that with a theater full of people discovering those characters for the first time that weren't familiar with the source material, that just sounds really exciting to me. I know this is like sacrilege i hate watching rom-coms in a movie theater i just saw like isn't it romantic and i was like man i wish i was home at my couch on my couch with wine um i wanted to say hush at first uh but i really liked watching that at home in my living room because it was kind of scarier that way so i guess i'm gonna go with something like the night comes for us which is that crazy action movie with with the guys from the raid and it's like if that had come out in theaters I think that would have been pretty epic. That's to a have better seen that on the big screen. That's a better answer than my answer. So, no, oh no, two points I mean, for Jeff. I, I don't know what else I'd go with here. You know, like because I didn't love a lot of the early. Uh, you know, a Netflix lot of these I'm looking at, and I'm stuff. like, I'm, like, I'm yeah, glad I watched this at home. Like, I think like like you look at something like Mowgli, and you're like, well, if that was if that was if I loved it more, I'd have been like, man, I wish I saw this in theaters. But I was happy. If to watch Mowgli that had home. hit had hit theaters or was released before the Jungle Book, I would have enjoyed seeing that on the big screen. Yeah, but. Now that we got like, Jungle I, I Book, I did see it on the big screen, you know, like oh, with you? the with the with the screening, or, oh, yeah. you know, at the Netflix screening room or whatever. So we're in a little bit of a different position, obviously, than than, than the average you know movie going public. But uh, okay, well, what about uh, does Bandersnatch count? Bandersnatch. That would have been interesting well, to have done that in the theater, where like you know, remember back in the nineties, there was well, that we, choose your own adventure thing. We both know, though, you're not allowed to do it in that kind of format because you can't even use an Apple TV. You can't even include a couple of people around you to play Bandersnatch. You're, you're, you're right. I, I, if they could figure out the like to have in, one interactive theater in each multiplex or whatever, and you had things like Bandersnatch and the audiences voting collectively what to do, that would be interesting. That's that cool. W- that would be interesting, but. Going that route, too, I feel like a lot of the Netflix original stuff that I would most want to see on the big screen right now is happening in TV, too. I don't know what happened. I didn't love the first couple of episodes of Umbrella Academy, but for whatever reason, I'm sticking with it. And now I think I've just hit the point where I've, like, forced myself to be super into it. And there's certain sequences in that show that are just so insanely cinematic that if I if I saw that blown up on the big screen, especially with that kind of soundtrack just booming throughout the theater, that would be super effective. 
You want me to have my laptop on the show, Perry. Not what would we do without my laptop? I, in that moment, I, I do not nothing. know. <laughs> Next time, I am going to force you to tap into the schmodown muscles, and uh, we gotta we gotta train you for uh, for Chicago, don't we? Yeah, Is hey, I, I, I'm not looking past the free for all. We'll see. Okay, all right. Yeah, this is this is why I don't do that. I can't stress about that. That is it. We are done with today's show. As always, I must say a huge thank you to Jeff and Ash for being here today. Mostly to Ash, though. Yes. Oh, guys. I, I, I love you at the helm. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that. Where can everyone find your stuff on the interwebs? Oh, well, um, I'm at etonline.com, but mostly you can just find me on Twitter at Ash Cross, and I post everything that I'm doing there. And I'm at The Insider on Twitter and Instagram. And, and, uh, and, and hey, <laughs> thoughts and prayers go out to Luke, Luke uh, Perry today. Yes, absolutely. Um, another thank you to our wonderful guy in the booth right there, Adam Smith. You know we love you. Smitty. And another huge thank you to everybody out there watching the show. Do not forget to like and share it. Tell everybody you know about Movie Talk on the Collider Video YouTube channel and also in podcast form as well. We are done for the week, but we will be back 4 p.m. PT Monday for a brand new episode. Black T-shirt mafia. <laughs> At Napa Auto Parts stores and Napa Auto Care centers, get a $25 prepaid Visa card when you get any Napa Automotive battery. It's the best deal for some of the best batteries from some of the best car people around. But we might be a little partial. Anywho, pick up any Napa Automotive battery and save $25. Do it yourself or have it done for you. That's Napa Know How. Napa Know How. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores and Napa Auto Care centers. While supplies last, offer ends 831.20. It's that little Chico Pitbull, Mr. 305, better said Mr. Worldwide, and I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, From Negative to Positive, brought to you by my friends over at State Farm. I believe that to have success, you got to play the game, so that the game doesn't play you. You know, the biggest risk you take is not taking one. It's very important that you make sure that you make the most out of your money, especially when it comes to insurance. State Farm offers surprisingly great rates. They have great agents standing by helping you personalize your coverage. All this is backed up by award-winning, easy-to-use technology. It's a great price with an even greater service. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.